0: This week, exploring the backcountry of Denali National Park, plus the RV show season is upon us, what do we think we'll see at some of these RV shows? That more, this is RV Miles. Since 1912, L.L. Bean has been helping people get outside together with gear tips and advice for exploring all the possibilities of the outdoors all year long. L.L. Bean's founder once said, If your feet are happy, you're happy. So here's a tip for your winter footwear. Your feet can still sweat even when it's cold, so swap your cotton socks for a merino wool blend. Cotton holds moisture and takes a long time to dry, but wool traps heat and wicks away moisture, keeping your toes cozy. For more tips, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash explore. Welcome to episode number 304 of RV Miles. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby. And we are two RVers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, and then some, from industry news to national parks, travel destinations, and a whole lot more.
0: So we are gearing up. We have our bags packed by the door, ready to go. Uh, to hit the road and uh, we're driving the kids to Kansas City to spend some time with the grandparents while we hop on a flight (laughs) some some issues with that as well Uh, hop on a flight to Florida so we can spend a couple days at Disney World but so we can visit the Tampa RV show Uh, the Florida RV super show yes well I always get in trouble because I'm supposed to say Florida RV super show the Tampa RV show is a different show. They're both in Tampa, but the Tampa RV show is a different show. The Florida RV Super Show is the biggest RV show theoretically in the country. They argue back and forth a little bit with the Hershey Pennsylvania RV show for that title.
1: So we will talk about the flight drama that we had last night. Actually, that's going to be in my black tank okay. here in a little bit. But I thought it would be fun because so we had our monthly night live uh, last night, actually, or two nights ago. Today's Two nights, yes. Yeah. So, sorry, it snowed all day yesterday and you just kind of lose a day when it's just nonstop snow and you cannot leave your house. It literally feels like one day long day.
0: I went out to (laughs) clean off the vehicles last night. Uh, It was maybe 10 inches of snow we got. I don't know what the final tally is, but uh, it was a lot for this area.
1: It's beautiful, but it does not make for enjoyable travel when you are getting on a flight Or you need to get on the roads and head to the grandparents. (laughs) So, anyway, on our live on Monday night, and thank you to everyone that joined us for the January edition. We got a lot of questions about what we think is going to be the focus of the super show starting next week. I thought it would be fun to maybe give some of our predictions, just a couple each, because next week when we all come back together for the podcast, We're going to be live from Tampa. We're actually going to have the executive director of the Super Show on the show to talk to us not only about the show itself, but, you know, the evolution of it and whatever other questions we end up uh, discussing during that time. I thought we should give a couple of predictions. So, Jay, what are you anticipating or hoping to see from an innovation standpoint? And then just from an overall trend.
0: Well, I'll start with the easy one, what I know it's going to be like. Uh, There is going to be a lot of this lower budget stuff out there, stuff that they call decontenting in the RV industry. I think it's a silly word, but uh, lines from many, many different brands where they've removed features, made them a little bit more affordable. That's the trend right now with interest rates so high, with costs so high. The trend is to have some more affordable units out there. I think we're going to see a lot more smaller units out there as well. A lot of Class Bs, a lot of single axle trailers. I know Keystone uh, is introducing a new single axle trailer line, uh, an off-road type line, stuff like that.
1: I. Completely agree with you. I think it's going to be less is more this year at the super show and probably across the board at any RV show through 2024. Less is more. I think that we're also going to see, and you've talked a little bit about this already, uh, a push for smaller RVs that can be towed, that don't need like a giant, 350 450 dually Mm. type truck i think because truck prices have been so high i think that's really influencing some of the stuff that's going to come off of the line for 2024 and i also think whether they're going to say it or not manufacturers are thinking about the ev truck and that it is coming and that they need to be creating rvs that can be towed by an ev truck yeah so I know that that is a really controversial topic yeah. right now, but they are coming.
0: Yeah, and I think along those lines, Airstream debuted the, the E-Stream yeah. two years ago at the Florida RV Super Show uh, as a concept sort of vehicle. Nothing really happened with it last year. Um, now they've got a little bit of competition on that front where there are some vehicles out there like the Pebble that we did a, a an overview of that have that sort of powered trailer axle I wouldn't be surprised, maybe not at the Florida RV Super Show this year, maybe by uh, summer and the Hershey Show, though, but I wouldn't be surprised if Airstream finally puts uh, a chassis like that on sale, um, actually brings it to production.
1: And unfortunately, we're not going to see Pebble or some of these more innovative RV manufacturers this year at the Super Show. They were unable to get in, and I hope that that is something in 2025 that we get to see a little bit more of that, There becomes a little bit more representation there. Innovation wise, is there anything you are kind of expecting to see the industry grow and continue to lean into? Or do you think we've well, reached the the apex of that? No, moment? no,
0: there's, there's a lot more to be done. And I think we're gonna see um, lots of little smart things. Um, folding into some rvs out there uh lots of new small technologies that make life a little bit easier on the road some things that might be gimmicky too that maybe i'm not so crazy about like i know um one of the major manufacturers of power systems for rvs they have come out with their new they call it ai it's not AI, it's, it's voice activation, um, you know, just like Google Home or uh, Apple Home or whatever, where you can talk to a voice assistant and have your RV do some certain things. I, I've complained about that a little bit in the past. I'm like, wh- why are we doing something separate? Why aren't we just integrating Alexa or Google Home into these units instead of trying to have some sort of weird RV industry third-party thing.
1: As one with Google Home, I I don't think I like Google Home enough and find it useful enough that I would actually purchase an RV because it had yeah, because Google of Home that, yeah. in it. If I yeah. primarily Google Home at our house is used to control the lights, which uh, she decides 50% of the time she doesn't want to do. And also to set timers.
0: <laughs> well and but I think all of
1: those things I can do in my R V without Google
0: Home. Yeah, there are things I think are are great that people would love. They love to be able to like uh, turn the furnace on in their R V remotely on their way home, sure, stuff sure. like that. But does it end up being a replacement for switches? Like that's always the thing. Like you know, before we had touch pads, now we have voice assistants and and those things are maybe nice to have sometimes when you want to use them. You wanna control from the app to bring your your awning out when you're sitting outside or whatever, but none of it replaces switches. We really love switches to be able to just go and press a button to have it do what you wanna do. So when the manufacturers sort of pull that stuff away, it's not fun.
1: The switches were a big selling point for us when we got the Ibex. <laughs> they <It really worked. laughs> That's no joke. They were a big selling really point worked. for us. Yeah. I think innovation-wise, we are going to continue to see, and I, w- I welcome this, a less is more yeah. approach. I would really like to encourage some of these suppliers and some of these manufacturers who have decided that they are going to make every single product out there and they are going to try to do it better every product chairs rugs you name it dishware you name it they're making it i would really like to see them dial all that back and do a few things well yeah i would like to see that really start to happen in the solar and battery world as well i think that we're seeing this decontenting of rvs I think we need to see a little bit of that with the gadgets now too. People want you to know you for something that you do because you do that thing well. They don't want to know you, and I'm sure everyone is screaming the words Lippert at me right now, but we don't want to know you because you do 97 million things. Half aid. (laughs) We want to see you do two or three things well,
0: yeah, and and I think there there is sort of a level of like uh, these sort of premium manufacturers of supplier parts that that do get overlooked often. A lot of us buyers are at fault. We go to mm-hmm. these and we're like, okay, it has a water heater. That's all I care about. That it has a water heater, uh, or I really insist on a tankless water heater who cares if that's a terrible tankless water heater that they've installed right some of that stuff is really really important and uh and a lot of that is on us buyers to continue to do our research and learn from other people about what sort of brands of parts and components are are good I'll give you a good example here and this is something I think you'll continue to see a a bit more of you probably seen this happening a bit on units out there the the power systems Uh, In RVs, there's been a requirement from the RV Industry Association to have uh, uh, safety lights on your your power input. Uh, So, you know, when when you plug in a surge protector, it tells you if the the polarity is reversed and anything like that. So the RV industry has been requiring now that that be actually integrated, not necessarily a surge protector, but like reverse polarity and open ground protection. So you, if you have bought a new RV recently, some of them have been putting lights on that power input that tell you that sort of stuff. And some of them have decided to do it by buying a power cord that just has a little teeny tiny light on it that might be yellow or red. And that is sort of the cheap way of doing it. And the better way of doing it is working with one of these uh, suppliers to actually put a power inlet on that has all that information so that you can see it right away, that has sort of a three light display or whatever it might be, or even more. Um, I think RV buyers are getting smarter. I think the manufacturers are realizing that. And I think, you know, the, the stuff that is advertised and built for people who are on their second or third rig, we, we are seeing a little bit more quality in, and some of the innovation that's going to happen this year is is going to be on the manufacturing front. So it might not be stuff that we see, but it's stuff that makes the manufacturing process a little bit easier, uh, might make the service process a little bit easier. Believe it or not, I promise you, believe it or not, that it doesn't mean it's gonna solve the problem or anything, but there is a big focus in the RV industry uh, from at least some brands to really try to find ways to improve service and it's been hard there there was a big push for that before the pandemic hit there was a real big push for that and some brands were starting to really do some interesting things on that front and then everything got blown out of the water when there was all of these supply shortages uh, and and stuff like that manufacturers just stopped making certain floor plans and throwing whatever air conditioner they could in and all that sort of stuff i think now that we're moving towards an era where where sales are going to be light, uh, manufacturing is going to be lighter, you're going to see a a bit more quality come out and a a bit more serviceability.
1: So those are just some of our thoughts about the super show as we get ready to roll into it. And if you're going to be there and you would like to meet us and kind of let us know whether or not we were right on some of these predictions or perhaps we were wrong or what some of your thoughts on the super show are we are hosting a meet and greet on thursday january 18th from 3 to 4 p.m over in the social media meet and greet area so according to the event organizers this is being held in the red Handicap accessible building next to supplier building A. It is right up against Alliance's big RV display. So if you find Alliance right next to it is going to be where they are setting up for people to have meet and greets because this has been a whole thing, fire codes, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to come meet us, we would love to meet you. We'll be there from 3 to 4 p.m. again on January 18th. That's Thursday. We will also be roaming the show on Wednesday and Thursday morning. So, of course, if you see us walking around, please say hi. We would love to be able to say hi to you. But we are excited to get there and see what 2024 is going to hold because this is going to, for me, feel like, I think, a return to what a very uh, traditional or normal RV show is going to look like we were there in 2022 we were still in the height of the pandemic RV boom so I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's like when we start dialing things back a little bit and get back to just plateau out and get back to some normalcy
0: so uh we're also going to be at the Kansas City RV show later this month we're going to be at the Seattle RV show really soon so keep those on your calendar if you're in those areas uh, but right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about Denali. Our favorite part of Denali really was spending a lot of time in the Denali backcountry, which is rare opportunity. It's a place where you can actually do that in an RV.
1: We'll be right back.
0: This episode is sponsored by the Park Wolf app. Ever found yourself in the heart of a national park surrounded by beauty, but unsure where to go or what to see? That's where Park Wolf comes in. Park Wolf is the ultimate app for exploring national parks. As you drive, the GPS shows you what's coming up on the road, and an audio guide will fill you in on what's there so you can decide if it's worth a stop for you or not. Gas running low, looking for a bite to eat or a bathroom break, Park Wolf's got you covered. It keeps track of the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover areas. And the best part, it works without an internet connection. And if you're a wildlife enthusiast, you'll love Park Wolf's wildlife maps and sighting notifications. So before you set off on your next national park adventure, download the Parkwolf app for your iPhone from the App Store. It's your ultimate guide to national parks. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes, a full line of weight-distributing hitches, adjustable ball mounts, and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit BlueOx.com. We're back and we're going to talk about the Denali backcountry today. Denali, uh, as we mentioned last week, is one of the best places that we've ever been in an RV. And we started putting this episode as our second uh, episode in the series together to cover all the rest of the stuff that we didn't cover last week. And we're realizing that this is actually a three-part Series we got we got to do three parts here so yeah. so this week we're gonna cover the Denali backcountry and riding the bus in um and next week we're gonna cover the stuff outside of Denali National Park itself so visiting the town and the brewery and a little show we went to stuff like that
1: and it won't actually be next week yeah two weeks from now. so two yeah. weeks from now so next week we're gonna be at the super show we're gonna to come to you from that and then we will pick this back up afterwards. So three episodes in all. I think that should really give you an idea. We spent two weeks in Denali National Park in and around. That should really give you an idea that if we need three episodes to get through this, there's just so much you can do. But there's, it really was just absolutely transformative in respects to spending time in a national park, how you spend time in a national park, the wilderness... Is it is so it's, I know this sounds corny, it is so wild.
0: Yeah, it, it's a place where um, if you are going to Alaska, you do want to reserve a decent amount of time for Denali. Don't, yeah. don't do a two or three day thing here unless you're really short on your schedule. But there, there's a whole lot to see. It's Alaska at its absolute finest.
1: And it really did work out. And I would recommend this to anyone. We originally just had what we're about to talk about. Teklanika River Campground booked. We did not have Riley Creek, which is the campground we talked about last week in the front country of Denali. I am so glad that we decided to go ahead and extend this time here and book both of those campgrounds because each one offers a different perspective of the park. Riley Creek is fantastic for spending time in the front country with the visitor center and the sled dogs and being able to explore even to go into town and do some bike riding. Teclanica is where you want to be to explore the wilderness and the backcountry and to really spend time in Denali. So I absolutely recommend to you that if you have the time to give, do get both campgrounds. Even if you just go out to tech for like one or two nights, just getting to do that drive is is perfect. So, I actually
0: think it is a three-night I think you have oh, to spend 3 nights. I think you're there. right. Um but so Teklanika is uh it, it they informally call it Tech. Uh but Teklanika campground is it's the second largest campground in Denali. So it is it actually decent size but it's very popular. No services, no hookups campground. They do have some some primitive bathhouses that are well kept. Um uh, with no showers, just just toilets. But this is a campground that is beyond where you can drive your civilian vehicles in the park. So, you know, last week we talked about there's one main park road, and after mile I think 26, you cannot drive on it. You have to be on a park bus. That is unless you're staying at Teklanika. So, if you stay at this campground, it is beyond that closure, and you get to drive your RV on the park road into the campground. Now, once you're there, you have to stay there. You can't come in and out in your vehicle. Uh, you, can, you, you can get a bus pass that will bring you in and out and to all the different stops along the road, uh, which is what you should do, um, but you cannot drive in and out. You can bike in and out, stuff like that, but uh, it was one of the coolest experiences to be able to drive the rig, and Abby actually is the one that drove it, uh, on the road where only buses
1: drive. It was probably a highlight of this entire adventure for me. So we drive in, it's a great road, and you to get in you're going to show the ranger your pass and you're going to go through, and then the road is going to get gravel, it's going to get a little a uh, little bit rougher than the road you would have been on when with the buses, and the drive, is, the drive is worth every, every bit to just be there with your rig, going down this road, seeing the views that you can see. And if you're lucky enough on this drive, you're going to get a peek at Denali. You just, I don't know how to describe it other than you just, if you can do it, do it. And then when you get into the campground, it is first come, first served inside the campground. And you're going to, there's a few loops that you can drive through to take a look at. And we were able to find a spot where we were able to get Starlink.
0: Yeah, it actually was a little bit more open in Teclanica than it was at Riley Creek for solar and Starlink. And they do say they can accommodate rigs up to 40 feet. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be a varying number of sites that can do that. So, you know, it's definitely a thing where you do want to head out there early on the day that you're heading out there. If you, uh, if you are a larger rig to make sure that you get a spot that you can fit in,
1: but it is also first come first served and they don't have an idea of who's out where
0: it's first come first served. It just like, just like Riley Creek first come first served for choosing your site. Yes. But you do need to pay for a reservation in advance and, uh, and they are competitive. So you're going to want that. Once you decide to go to Alaska, this is what we did. We just, we just, this was like the first thing we booked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we, th- we didn't book a whole lot of other campgrounds for the whole trip, but we knew we had this.
1: And one thing to note, you are going to book this through a concessionaire website. They will honor your pass. So if you have the senior pass or the access pass or pass that's going to get you a discount on camping through the National Park Service, that pass will still be honored. It's a, a little sneaky where it's at on the website. So just make sure you're keeping an eye out for that. If you have a pass that gets you a discount on your camping, they will still honor it through this website. So we were out there for three nights. We were there in July. I want to recommend we had, so of course, we're not seeing any real sunsets, any real sunrises. It's July in Alaska. We had one night, everyone in my house was asleep for whatever reason, I could not get to sleep. It was like 1230 in the morning. And I kind of noticed a a reddish golden hue had kind of set in and around us. And I happened to peek out and the, the sky was on fire. It was spectacular. I got out of bed. I went outside. I stood out there. I took all these pictures and video because the sky above our RV was the most spectacular rose and purples and blue. It was phenomenal. And we hadn't seen anything like that for months because we were falling asleep before anything like that could happen. And I just, if you get a chance to see something like that in that campground, you you will stand there and you will just think, I am so small inside this big giant world and I, I was so glad that I got to experience that so keep an eye on the sky when you're in tech because it and it gets pretty spectacular pretty fast
0: so when we were at Riley Creek we didn't do any of the bus excursions because we knew we were going to be back here and we knew we were going to get the bus pass which is essentially for campers to come in and out um, and some campers will be like tent campers and carrying all their gear. Some people will be backcountry campers and all that. But we knew we were going to get this tech pass that was going to allow us on the bus uh, from the campground and and to go around the park. So if you don't do something like this, you, you will want to get a bus pass when you're back at Riley Creek or wherever else you're staying at to be able to take the bus into the park and go all the way to the road closure Um, it's, it's closed at whatever point, uh, the, uh, the, the road collapsed several years ago. Uh, don't, please don't let that dissuade you from visiting the park. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be fixed anytime soon. And it is not a reason to avoid the park. But, um, if you don't do something like this, you do want to get a bus pass that bus pass. They have different options. Um, the, the, the regular one, um doesn't really sound like it's going to be a tour, but your your guide re- your your driver does really give you a bit of a tour, and then there are a few different other ones that are a more defined tour. But the 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 main one, um, your driver is giving you tour. They're watching out for animals, um, but you can get on and off at wherever you want to go hike, and that's the coolest part about Denali and being in the backcountry area is is hiking because Denali is designated wilderness. Um, and, and designated wilderness means no structures, no no roads, no no um, motorized vehicles, anything like that. So the park road itself is not designated wilderness, but 100 feet either side of the park road, designated wilderness begins. So there are no trails out there. And in fact, they... Suggests that when you hike, you just get off and go wherever you want to go. You do not have to follow a hard trail. And in fact, you really can't because there aren't any out there to do you just kind of go where you want to go. It is really weird mind-switch thing to do this when yes. you're so used to like stay on the trail,
1: leave no trace, <laughs> you know. And but this is actually part of leave no trace mm-hmm. because they don't want a they don't want a trail to be built. So when you pick somewhere that looks like no one else has been, you're actually helping to support leave no trace in Denali National Park. Now, if this sounds really really overwhelming, to you and a little bit scary, then we have the solution for you. And that is called the discovery hikes. Now, Jason and I both did a discovery hike. We went separately yeah, it's so a, that
0: we could stay with the kids individually because yes. it, it's a, a more than a half day experience.
1: The, so there's a few things you need to know about a discovery hike. It is again, a first come first served, completely free hike that will be led by a national park ranger, and you have to sign up for it uh, a a day in advance. You cannot sign up for it early. You cannot do it online. You do have to go into the visitor center and physically sign up with a ranger there. We both did uh, discovery hikes where we met our ranger at the bus depot. We got on the bus Headed out into...
0: I want to add, though, you did say it's free. It's free, except you have to buy the bus ticket.
1: You do have to have the bus ticket, yes. So, but the hike itself, the guide, your guide, is free. It's a a program, it's a service from the park. So you're going to get on your bus with a group of people. And they keep it very small. I think my group was only 12.
0: I think 12 is the max.
1: Yes. And we both had the same ranger. His name was Brian. He is amazing. Yeah. You talk about someone who lives and breathes Alaska and Denali National Park. This is Brian. The
0: rangers you're going to get on this are going to be the most hardened backcountry type rangers that that know what they're doing.
1: So my group went out. We get on the bus. We go out. We are dropped off at a particular spot because Brian has kind of mapped out this idea of where he wants to take us. Mm -hmm. He knows his end game, but how we're going to get there is completely left up to us. The first thing that he says to you, and he said it to you guys as well. The first thing he says is, don't follow me. Don't walk behind me. We don't want to make a trail. This is where we're going. You're going to want to yell out, hey, bear, a lot, because what I want is for everyone to disperse Mm -hmm. and then just... Whack your way through this land.
0: Yeah, you're you're grabbing lots of plants and stepping on lots of plants, that a lot of vegetation, and this until is, you get up to the rocky stuff.
1: This yeah. is not just like your backyard yeah. mowed lawn. It is, it is brush. It is climbing. It is amazing.
0: And this is not something that you want to do if you have, you know, if you're not a. a decently regular hiker if you have sort of like knee and ankle problems stuff like that it's going to be some exertion they're they're going to tailor it a little bit to the folks that are there but you really want to be somebody who is at least comfortable hiking now i'm like not the most physically fit person right and i could i could do it but you want to have hiking poles definitely bring hiking poles um and you're you want to have some decently good gear to keep your Uh, keep your ankles dry because you're going to be like hiking through dew and stuff.
1: They will tell you that you will get wet. You are going to get muddy. And they do list, when you go to sign up for this hike, they will list what they're rating it, be that easy, moderate, or hard. They're not going to tell you where you're going because um, often the rangers don't turn in their itinerary until right before they pick up the group and head out. But they will give an idea of, Look, I'm taking everyone to a summit today, so it's going to be a harder hike. I think that's what I want to do, or we're just going to go out way out into the wild wilderness. This is going to be a little bit more moderate. I did a well; it was listed as moderate to hard. Yours was listed as hard because you all went straight up. We
0: to really did you went all
1: up. right up to the top of a mountain. Oh boy,
0: it was it was something.
1: We took our time. But I would argue that we had a hard hike because we took our time through the thickest, densest <laughs> brush I've ever seen. And it was just not, I, it just beat you up. And we followed the creek for a really, really long time. So yes, you do get into water. There were several places where there was no choice but to cross calf deep. And, you know, I had on ankle-high hiking boots. And when I was done with that hike, they were soaked because yeah. we had crossed water that went well above my boots. Bring your lunch. You get to, you're going to stop. You're going to eat. You're going to bring plenty of water. They have a whole list of things that they recommend and or require that you bring on these hikes. It can sound very, very intimidating. I I was intimidated But I thought this is the opportunity of a lifetime to go out into this wilderness of Denali with a ranger. And Brian did not disappoint. He shares plenty of facts about the park. He kept stopping to talk to us about scat, whether it was fresh or old, how you could tell what the animal was. uh, So many facts, Uh, wonderful facts about the wildflowers in the park. Just he was such a wealth of knowledge and then you meet people from all over the world like not just all over america all over the world we had a couple on our hike that was from sweden and it was so fascinating to talk to them and then met another couple that they were like this is the first time we've ever gone hiking the first time this couple ever went hiking was in denali national park on a discovery hike where they were just crashing through the wilderness. It is such an amazing experience. And I I cannot encourage you enough. When you go to Denali, please try to build this into your time there. It's it's amazing. It's the
0: best experience I've ever had in a national park, uh, hands down.
1: Hands Um, down. I mean, it's like, what, six months later and we're still gushing about it? Yes.
0: Now, if you don't do this, you can still just... Do this on your own. There are yes. there's some things you need to know about. There are some like closure areas where there's like a lot of bear activity and stuff like that. And of course, you want to carry bear spray if you're hiking in the backcountry alone um, or, you know, with your small group. But one of the easiest ways to do this that, that feels a little bit uh, less intimidating is to hike along the gravel beds of the rivers and creeks. Um, so a lot of these a lot of these glacier-fed streams um, are easy to, to walk through and along, although there are going to be some spots where you have to cross water, and that can be a bit of a challenge.
1: C- can we put easy in yeah. quotation marks? I think yeah. that we noticed the most popular thing for people to do is to take the park bus all the way as far as it can go to the road closure. Get out there and then hike around that area because it's all riverbed there. We did the exact same thing. We picked up a bus from the campground from Tech, and we took it out to the end of the park road. We did, however, not just explore in and around uh, because it is true even here that most people do not go more than just a couple hundred feet away from the road. But we decided to do the hike that you can take all the way to the washout where the road collapsed. It's a couple miles down the road. And then, so it's, I think, somewhere between a four and five mile hike from start to finish. Down
0: the riverbed.
1: Down, yes. You're not allowed to go on the road. You're gonna go way down into the riverbed and then you're gonna hike the riverbed until you reach the uh, washout. So that's what we decided to do. There were, for the most part, really easy hike. You're just walking along the riverbed. There were a couple places where there was a lot of head scratching as to how we were going to get across the water. Because when it shows up, it shows up and it is uh, deep in the sense of, you know, up to calf level in some places, your knees, it is fast and it is cold. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of instances where people were just flat out taking their hiking boots and socks and everything off, throwing them across the river crossing, crossing barefoot. Which is hard to
0: do because we're we're talking like big jagged rocks. Yes. It's not easy to walk barefoot. I, I think doing this again, the ideal situation would be to wear some hiking boots because you, you want something yeah. stiff on those feet to, to walk across all of these gravel rock beds. And then to have with you in your backpack like a pair of keens or some sort of strapped sandal for like crossing the water.
1: Which is funny that we didn't do that for this hike because one of the things that they suggest on the Discovery hike, which I did, was to bring a change of shoes yeah. for when you're done with the hike. So I had just strapped my Tevas onto my backpack. And when I got done with the hike, I took off my wet boots and my socks and I put on my Tevas to keep my feet from getting overly wet. And so for whatever reason, we did not do that. No, with it, this it would hike. have
0: been real smart. I ended up carrying Several people on my back across <laughs> yeah. stream crossings. So
1: you had to do a lot yeah. of like carrying people on your back from Baja to Alaska. There was Love there was a lot of that. Yeah. But this hike, so we we get out and we had brought food and we get out on the trail and we're hiking and we get to the the landslide and you almost miss it
0: there's a lot of falling gravel everywhere so it's hard to see what it is but then you realize how huge it is and you're like oh Oh,
1: okay yeah
0: that's what it is this
1: is it so you know we're there we're hanging out (laughs) and a few other people are around it's us it's the Schumacher so we're a party of nine and we start to notice coming down from where we had just walked here comes a caribou uh, male caribou
0: and the caribou are usually not something to be too concerned no, about no, no, no. They, they keep their distance and stuff and and but they're they're big they're big and they they're got lots big. of antlers and, yes. and and this one we happened to be very spread out yes and it was coming through the middle of us and it was about as scared as we were.
1: Yeah, we were definitely some hikers divided uh divided by a uh creek, a very fast, deep rushing creek. Yeah. And the caribou looks like because we want to keep distance, right? You keep distance from wildlife. You don't sit there and be like, "Ooh, this is a great photo opportunity." You keep distance. So We all think, okay, this caribou looks like it's going this one way. We're all going to go to the other side of this big riverbed. Well, we get over there and the caribou changes its path. And it starts, so now we're all really divided because Clay and some of the kids have stayed over on one side. Jamie and I have the bigger kids Jason is, who knows, were you, like, was you were like a, up on a ranch.
0: I was up on a bluff, kind of looking like, down. Like hanging out, he's and, hanging out. And I had my, you know, I put my long lens on my camera, I was t- taking pictures, and then I saw it, I was taking pictures of it. But I'm calling out to you all, letting you know that it's there, <laughs> and trying to tell certain people uh, basically, all people to stay where they are, but everybody decides they're going to start moving. You know, little ones, little ones, a little concerned are trying to run across to yeah. mommy or daddy, and there's a little bit of that happening.
1: All of a sudden, everything we've learned so, so about the, wildlife safety get a little spooked
0: because nobody's staying where they're supposed to stay.
1: It was just everything you know, just sort of goes out the window when nine people start reacting in a completely different yeah. way. So, Jamie and I have the big kids, and at one point, the caribou has decided that the five of us are its target, and it is coming for us.
0: Yeah, and And you guys do sort of like slowly getting away from it. You're backing away from it into like behind a tree and stuff, but it wanted to go where you were going.
1: We're melting. We're like Homer Simpson melting (laughs) into the brush. We're trying to back up and be quiet, and then it starts to kind of trot and pick up, <laughs> pick up speed towards us and yeah. and then all of a sudden it's kind of like run for it and like everybody just darts into the brush and there's there's panic and I'm yelling everybody calm down <laughs> like,
0: yeah that's a real calming yeah
1: and that's very much it very much whale watching vibes all of a sudden are happening here and we get into the brush and I you know we're I'm trying to like find my kids like we need to everyone just like scattered and i like we need to get back together and I think at this point you're yelling it's fine it's fine it didn't it turned it turned and so at the last minute the caribou decided it didn't want to come into the brush with us and it turned and I think it started at that point point. <laughs> It might have started making its way towards Clay and the Littles or it had gone towards Clay and the Littles before it shifted and came to Jamie and me and the bigs. But at some point, this caribou had kind of made its way towards all of us. And you just you kind of think caribou, you you don't know how big one is until you are staring it down trotting towards you and then picking up speed and you're just thinking those are some really really sharp antlers and they are coming for me get it everybody get in the brush just get in there and maybe we can confuse it and it will go away that was uh the end of that hike and it was like and now it's time to go and the caribou actually it continued on and wanted to hang out. Really, it really wanted to end up over where the the land side was. And that's kind of where it went. But then it turned around. And as we were making our way back, mm-hmm. I believe we, we saw, saw it again. again. We saw it again, yeah. So this is something to be mindful of. A great reminder. Don't do what we did, um, unfortunately. <laughs> actually i think we handled it pretty no, well we
0: handled it we well handled it, it was well. Ju- it was just an unfortunate situation where it was caught between us yes. and and that was I, we all handled it fine I, there there was just i think uh not not really much of a need for for panic so that ever so that the so that everybody knew we were on the page same page but it was fine
1: well i would I guess the biggest lesson I can share here is that because you have these creek crossings that are happening here in this hike, and in some places they are quite detailed or deep, they're going to take a minute. If you decide to, if your party splits and one of you decides to go on one side of the creek and it's a bit of a crossing to get over there and the other party decides to stay on the other side, don't think you all are coming back together really, really fast. That That's not happening. So maybe take a lesson from us and the best thing to do. I know it's designated wilderness and you should be able to roam where you want to go. But if you do this hike, be mindful that this is obviously uh, a very uh, heavy caribou wildlife area. They're using this in the same way as we are.
0: The whole places. I mean, it yeah, is. And they but, do tell you that the caribou really like to be along the gravel beds.
1: Yes. And so you know, maybe just kind of keep your party where if you need to come back together in order to give wildlife space, you can do that quickly without having such a deep creek crossing. You know, one of the things I'm remembering now too about the discovery hike is that the area that I hiked the very next day there were bears in and around that whole area and right up there in the brush along the road. Um, we suspect that as we were hiking that day, we were definitely not alone. We had seen enough scat that was very, very fresh, like within 24 hours fresh, that gave us an idea that we were probably not alone in in that area. And our guide was really great about, you know, just making sure that we were all saying, hey, bear on a pretty regular basis. And uh, we never encountered anything. And I think even if we had, I would have felt really safe with our guide. Um, And we were all equipped with bear spray and whatnot. But
0: the guides explain a lot about you know how the bears like to operate there you know there's not a lot of trees um it's mostly sort of scrub and open and so the bears have a lot of room to see you they like to stay away from you they know you're there um you know obviously the thing that bears don't like is to be surprised Mm -hmm. that's why you're always yelling out hey and he's brian was like when I say yell, hey I mean yell you're not like hey bear hair but hey. that's why the bell the bells he's he's like the bells are useless because they're just not loud enough for them at a long distance. You want them to stay well away from you.
1: Fill up that diaphragm with air yeah. and just let it go. And it takes a second because you're like, Well, wow, this is really loud and am I disturbing people? But he
0: said he said that, like, you know, there's been one death from from a bear in the last whatever, like forty years or something, and it was It was a photographer who was like getting right up the close and personal in the backcountry with a bear with a a camera. And um, for the for the most part, he was like, I've never even had to use bear spray. Uh, I carry it, but I never had to use it.
1: Well, and I think we talked a little bit about this last week, but the story that he shared with us about biking past the road closure so you can bike past the road closure Mm -hmm. in Denali and our guide had done that. And it's, it is don't think it's biking. It's off. It's carrying
0: your bike, carrying (laughs) your
1: bike. He did a lot of carrying his bike, but he was telling us how he's doing this and he comes up and over a boulder and it is just bare central Mm -hmm. all out there because past this road closure, The wildlife has reclaimed the wild because no one's going out there. There's a visitor center that's falling apart because no one's going out there. And a lot of the wildlife is staying out that way, especially the wolves. And he's just talking about how there are bears along this road now. And he kept biking it and used bear safety but he probably said that, I think if I'm remembering this right, he saw somewhere in excess of like 12 bears.
0: Yeah, just right there. Yeah.
1: On this park road bike ride that he was on. So it's a very yeah, it, real possibility.
0: And we were able to ride our bikes out on the road. The, the, not the not past the road closure, but no. on the, the part of the road where only buses are allowed, when we stayed at Teclanica. And so when you come in... They let you know some some biking rules, some things to <laughs> to think about, and they give you a little sticker to say that you've you've gone through the bike bike training. Basically, the rule is like if you see a bear, get off your bike because you're not going to outrun that bear in your bike. And when they see you on your biking, you're 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 going along fast. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like a dog chasing another mm-hmm. dog. Like it's they like to chase that's why you're never supposed to run from bears um, or you're usually not supposed to run from bears is that bears like to chase when, so when, you know, it's just like if a dog sees a rabbit, Mm -hmm. right? So um, (laughs) that's a little disconcerting. You're like, Oh, I see a bear. It's time to get off my bike now. Yes. Let
1: me walk slow. (laughs) I have to say this is where our electric e-bikes came in clutch this is where they shined it was such a great bike ride and we were able it's rough terrain keep that in mind with your bikes it's again not a paved road
0: yeah these are electric our electric bikes have big fat tires which is really convenient for this
1: and we were able to just i think we biked about two two and a half miles away from the campground we got up early in the morning while the kids were still asleep we took our breakfast and we our coffee put them in the we have the little satchels that go on the side of our bikes put all that in there took off down the road found a really great place to stop sat out there had breakfast just enjoyed the quiet the peace and quiet because we had gone out early enough that even the buses weren't really running yet They started running while we were hanging out and just enjoying the morning. That time for the two of us, that quiet, that was biking that road is really, it's really phenomenal. It's just, you see the park in such a different way. And we did not encounter any wildlife while we were out on this ride, um, but we were very mindful the whole time. And those, I got to say, those electric bikes, man, they were phenomenal in Denali.
0: If you're not adventurous enough to, to do some of these backcountry hikes or to bike the road or whatever it is.
1: And that's totally fine it's if you're not. totally
0: fine. <laughs> what That's one of the greatest things about Denali is it is sort of this wild wilderness that you can still accessibly get out to by just getting on one of these buses. And w- even if you don't do all that other stuff, if you do take the bus ride, you are going to see some wildlife. Uh, they will stop the bus uh, for you to like p- poke your binoculars out the window uh, or your camera lens so that you can see the doll sheep, the the moose, the caribou, and lots of caribou, uh, and hopefully some bear. Some people n- will never see a bear while they're out there i think i only got to see one uh but you're gonna get a chance to see some of this wildlife at denali pretty much guaranteed
1: it's pretty phenomenal so make time for the backcountry of denali be that on a tour bus or by taking your rig and heading to teclanica campground you will not regret it
0: all right, we are going to have a one more episode on Denali National Park. It it will be uh, about the area surrounding the park, the place we stayed when we were prepping to get into Denali for our first come first serve. We stayed overnight close. Um, we're going to talk about a dinner theater we went to and a couple of restaurants and more. The next time we talk about Denali, um, not next week, but the week after. We're going to take a break right now, though, and we're going to come back in a moment with our fresh tank,
1: Black Tank. See you in a moment.
0: This episode is sponsored by our friends at RVMattress.com. We've been talking for a long time about these folks. We have several of their mattresses in our RVs and even in our home because they're an actual mattress company, Brooklyn Bedding. RVMattress.com is Brooklyn Bedding's website where you can buy some of those custom-sized mattresses to fit in RVs. A lot of them are shorter, a lot of them need to be less tall, so a slide can go over the top of them, whatever it might be. You can get real mattresses that are delivered to your door or even to a campground in a box, that you just unroll and let it expand and they're all not just memory foam if you don't like memory foam they have hybrid mattresses with springs in them too that still roll up into a box we've had them delivered to us at campgrounds from their factory in Arizona they've got a great return policy if you're not happy and more you can get 25% off if you head over to rvmattress.com/rvmiles again the link for that along with everything else is down in the description below you spend a third of your time camping sleeping You might as well be sleeping comfortable and not be sleeping on a solid piece of wood in your RV vacation. RVMattress.com slash RVMiles for 25% off.
1: Welcome back to the show. And it is time to check the level of our tanks. Sponsored by our friends over at Matt's RV Reviews, Liquefied RV Toilet Treatment, the no BS toilet treatment. You can find them in our Amazon shop at Amazon.com slash shop slash Miles. We are glad to have Liquified back here on the show. In fact, they are going to be with us for all of 2024, sponsoring this segment. So please head over to Amazon and give them a little bit of love. Test out the product for yourself. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week?
0: Well, it snowed. Uh, (laughs) We got a lot of snow and it's great. Very happy to have snow much prefer snow over cold rain um and um in my fresh tank there's another reason why i like snow but what i don't like about snow and having a pickup truck is that we no longer have a tonneau cover on the back of our truck because you know we put that lightener system uh the big organizer system on the back of the truck for baja to alaska and needed a lot of space in the truck bed for things like the bike so we threw the tonneau cover out it was broken anyway back in Palm Springs and now we've taken the lightener system off because we had to do that so we could go get the fifth wheel from Palm Springs. So now the truck bed is just you know an empty truck bed and we are leaving town today in the truck and we need to put all of our luggage in the truck. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out a way to not have the truck bed fill with the 10 to 12 inches of snow that we just got. Uh, So we put a tarp over the bed. Of course, the tarp immediately like sunk in and filled with snow, Uh, a lot more snow than was on the ground. I was thankfully able last night to like pull that whole tarp out very slowly and get it all, all that snow to dump onto the ground behind the truck and then get in and sort of sweep out the snow that was left in there. There's still a bit in there which is fine, but it's uh, it's annoying to not have a tonneau cover on the bed. And tonneau covers are a little hard when you tow a fifth wheel because the, the nice ones that have the rails, uh, often your, your fifth wheel hitch is going to slam into those rails and destroy them, as a lot of people have found out over the years. Um, so we had one that was kind of a flip-up one that didn't have any rails. I would like to have a really nice one, mm-hmm. That can act like a trunk, you know, in, in the bed of the truck. But uh, I, I suppose a lot of that depends on whether we find ourselves being fifth wheel travelers in the future or not. But it, it is annoying living in the Midwest with snow to not have something to cover the bed of the truck.
1: Top priority. Yeah. Get something to cover the bottom yeah. of the truck. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What is it? Your fresh tank this week. Uh along with the
0: snow, uh it wasn't on the greatest snow, but I finally got to go skiing. We've been talking about this for a while. I got skis for my birthday and new boots and everything. And I finally went up with my dad and my cousin up to uh to Dubuque, Iowa, to Sundown Mountain Resort. It was not a mountain, but sundown sundown.
1: Sundown hill. Uh,
0: is a you know the the Midwestern ski resort some of them are a lot bigger than people think that they they might be but, but this was their this was one of their first days open um, they only had a few runs open but this was my first time skiing in I, at least 25 years I think it actually might be 26 or 27 years since I was a teenager I used to race um, but I have not skied at all and i'm not in the same shape i was as a teenager either <laughs> so it was really interesting to see how it would go and i think it went pretty well it took me a, a few minutes to really get the hang of it but i i think i pr- picked it up uh, quickly pretty good so. it was
1: a lot of fun to see video of you i've never seen you ski before i uh i did not doubt that you would be able to do it you are certainly someone who, when they say they're going to do something, they go and do it. I did, I did Google after you left how close the nearest hospital is to, oh, I'm sorry, I love you. And that's why I did it. I love you. I just, I needed, I I thought, I'm so, please don't hit your head. And <laughs> there was just, there was a lot of uh, I wanted you to do this. I'm so glad that you did it. It was great to see you out there. And I'm really glad that you all came home because it wasn't the, it wasn't the best skiing conditions. They were manufacturing a lot. yeah of that it, it so... was almost
0: all manufactured snow,
1: yeah. so, that's, it is
0: it is crappy snow, but it, yeah, hopefully it'll be better now that there's been all this snow just dumped on everybody up here.
1: Yes, and it was packed, yeah. so oh,
0: it was, it was so busy there.
1: You can't control so other people busy. on skis. You no, know,
0: that's very true.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad. I was so glad when you came home, uh, <laughs> just rosy and happy, and just so full of life for something that is truly. Just yours.
0: I never hurt myself doing something fun. It's always just doing dumb, boring things.
1: It's when like, you have to get up on the roof yeah. and ex- inspect solar or yeah. <laughs> these are, this is true. So maybe you need more fun in your life and yeah. you won't be as injured yeah. all the time.
0: <laughs> all right. What's in your black tank this week?
1: So, my black tank, we alluded to it at the top of the show. This seems like a great place to kind of tell this story we spent last night, actually a good chunk of last night, um, fielding texts. I love that this is how we were getting the updates. We're getting texts from United that are, we're so sorry, but one of your flights has been canceled. We're going to do our best to reschedule you, but mm, we don't know. And we're thinking, wait, (laughs) what? Like, the snow is moved out. There should be. We're flying out on Thursday. Yeah. There should be absolutely no reason why these flights are getting canceled. We're headed to Houston. We're we're not. Our first flight is supposed to go from Kansas City to Houston, Houston to Orlando. We did that on purpose in order to not go to some place like a Denver or a Chicago in case of weather. Well, this all has to do with the fact that uh, United flies for their shorter flights. They have the exact. They have the max nine which if you've been following the news, you know that Alaska Air just had quite the situation with that particular plane. Um, And so now, out of an abundance of caution, which, thank you, United, all of these planes are being grounded.
0: Yeah, but but the way they did it, though, was like... They canceled our first one Mm -hmm. and then automatically rebooked us on another one with the same plane. The same plane. So that one ended up being canceled. Of course, anyway, since they're taking all of these off of service. It It
1: felt very uh, suspect because why would you go and book us onto another flight on the exact same plane that you just told us you're pulling? I think it was just an automatic
0: thing. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. And... No sooner would we see that we were rebooked than right behind it would come another email. Oh, not email, text. Hi, we've had to cancel one of your flights. So the flight out of Chicago that we ended up switching to, so we had switched from Houston, Kansas City to Houston, Houston to Orlando. So then we switched from Kansas City to Chicago, Chicago to Orlando, well, the Kansas City to Chicago flight gets canceled because it's on the MAX 9. The Chicago to Orlando flight is still happening. Well, now that would normally not be a problem. We just drive the three hours and get up there and get on the flight. Well, now we had arranged our entire flight <laughs> schedule to go out of Kansas City because we were taking the kids. So we can't drive back up to Chicago. So because United was so unpredictable and our return flights included another one more of max nine, more yeah. max nines we ended up last night uh 36 hours before we're supposed to be flying out completely canceling that entire flight now we have to go through the whole process of getting this money back which is not going to be happening anytime yeah. soon because they're going to drag their feet and then we had to go and book on Southwest for an astronomical amount.
0: Yeah, basically because... we're paying first class prices for for Southwest seats because because we booked last minute on Southwest because yes. there wasn't another United flight that that worked for us without this plane that would get us in there on the day we're supposed to get in.
1: Well, United American the thing is the reason why we ended up going with Southwest too is we can fly direct yeah. so we'll just fly right from Kansas City to Orlando well
0: it's that whole thing of like trying to find like we were looking at American but the one we found on American was a 45 minute layover which is a little That's, too short in winter weather yeah. you know especially that when stuff.
1: you're flying to Denver yeah. and there was just it it's a mess it's an absolute mess and we were like okay well now we're paying A lot of money. There's a lot of money out in the world right now, which is stressful. Yeah,
0: you pay that money and you still haven't gotten the refund from the other one. Right.
1: And they're like, we can get you on another flight. And they keep trying, you know, the language is like, let us reboot. And I'm thinking, you can't stop acting like you're going to get me on another plane. You have literally grounded everything going out of Kansas City to Orlando. Because you don't fly direct. I think
0: there was I think there was a couple Airbus planes, but they were they were going to get us in there on the next day.
1: Yeah, Yeah. which then would have uh, we would have lost all the reservations that we have for Thursday, and it was just it's it really worked out, and it's fine. And this isn't so much a black tank; it's just a frustration.
0: Hey, there's a reason why a lot of people RV because air travel can be a pain in the butt.
1: I if this had been happening to us on monday or if this had started to happen on sunday the the problem is is this thing kind of came down i feel like there was a little bit of a length between when the incident with um, alaska air happened and united starting to pull their fleet for safety the length of time was a little long for me. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the minute this happened, everybody knew what was coming. And so the fact that they sat on these flights for as long as they did and it has probably created not only a headache for us but for thousands of other people as well is very, very frustrating to me. And if this had if this had happened in an appropriate amount of time, I would have said, cancel it all, go get the rig. Like we're driving, you know. like we're just going to drive. I I have more control over that situation, yeah. but it it didn't. And everything's fine. We're going to get on a Southwest flight in the morning. It'll be great. What's in your fresh tank this week? So my fresh tank is a very exciting little bit of news here at RV miles. Um, we are in this issue 16 of the RV today magazine. If you are a mile marker member Hopefully you have taken advantage of the fact that one of your perks is a year subscription to RV Today. Our friends over there are so generously helping us support uh, Mile Marker members by offering this perk to y'all. And if you're not a Mile Marker member and you would like to check out this issue for free while supporting RV Miles, we will link to that in the description or you can just go to rvmiles.com slash mile markers to learn more. Anyway... They did a whole section on 2024 trends, um, and we are one of the trends. We are featured as the hybrid RVer. That is uh, quite the label, and I will gladly accept it because it is really talking about how this is the year to embrace uh, kind of the best of both worlds a little bit, having that home base, but also still having that flexibility to travel as much as you can, that you do not have to be one or the other, that you can be a hybrid of both. So I really appreciated that they reached out to us to feature us in that section as an example of the hybrid RVer. If you would like to see all of the 2024 trends, we really encourage you to pick up RV Today magazine. It's issue 16 that just came out. You can find it at like Barnes & Noble. On the stands there, which is very exciting.
0: Especially because you won't see RV Magazine there anymore. RV Magazine is gone. If you've watched our latest news video, RV Magazine is now this Wild Sam magazine, which isn't really about RVing.
1: Was RV Magazine ever really a magazine, though? It was just a very long advertisement for Camping World. So this is a true magazine about RVing that is not just going to try to focus you in on like one little spot where you should spend all your money. Damian Ross and his team do an incredible job of making this an inclusive and and wide reaching RV magazine. So I hope you go out and pick up a copy of RV today. You can get a digital copy. You can get a free copy by becoming an RV miles mile marker member. But uh, yeah, It's always exciting when I see like uh, seeing things in print for me. There's something about print. Something about print of holding the physical thing is is very exciting to see either that be an article we have written or just to, to have our work acknowledged in print. Uh, is really it's it's exciting yeah i loved it
0: all right that's it for this week's episode of the rv miles podcast
1: yes it is thank you so much for joining us as a reminder we will be at the rv super show in tampa next week we have a meet and greet on thursday january 18th from 3 to 4 p.m follow us across social media we will continue to remind everyone there and have details more in-depth details as we get them rolled out if you have questions for Jason and I, you can find us over in the RV Miles Facebook group. But until next week, stay safe. Always pick that RV travel over airline travel because airlines are a headache. And keep logging those RV miles. Bye. everybody. Bye.